Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you happen to be on this incredibly gorgeous planet of ours. You've landed with us, Ultra Life Today. My name's Josh Bellew. I'm Adam Payne. Boy, we have an exciting guest today, Josh. And, and you know, Adam, the thing for me is I think that this could easily be one of my, like what I would call my pet favorite segment that we keep coming <laughs> back to. And even though we've got our, our next guest, who happens to be Ed Fletcher, yeah. uh, I mean, American Herbal Products Association. Um, you met him, I believe, at the University of Tennessee. No, Mississippi. Um, Come oh, on, Miss get, your, get your states yeah, okay. right. American Botanical Council, United Plant Savers, President of Native Botanicals. I think I was on his website not too long ago, Adam. I think two to 300 herbs or botanicals available. This guy is a supply chain sourcer, and he's one of our dear friends. And one of the things we love the most is he walks us out into nature, but this time it's probably not going to. Well, welcome, welcome, Ed. How's it going? <laughs> Good. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for remembering the uh, walks in nature. Yeah. Today would be a snowy walk and there wouldn't be anything but snow to see. So I'm glad to be here inside. Thank you. Yeah. And gosh, yeah, you don't have a, you don't have a long handles and overalls no. on or anything. So I guess you're not taking us on a, <laughs> taking us on any journeys today, right? <laughs> not today, next time. You okay. know, a, a big, the quite big question that people ask us and in, in about not just the stuff that we make, I mean, people call us and, and they sometimes will grill us on what is the source of your materials? Are you testing for heavy metals or any contamination in your turmeric? Because I've heard that turmeric can have a lot of contamination in it. And yes, we actually, the our suppliers are probably one of the better, better suppliers in the world, uh, not to brag too much. And we do a lot of testing on heavy metals and pesticides and all that stuff. But Ed, how you're in the field, you're touching stuff, you know how different suppliers, different manufacturers of supplements go about their business. Can you give us any advice or our listeners any advice as to how they can choose the right botanical supplements for themselves. Are, are there any, is there any help that we can provide them? Sure. Yeah, I, I do get that question often myself, Adam, when I'm speaking at events or talking to people and they just ask, you know, how do I choose which one? And you, you uh, had part of the formula right there, testing. Testing. Yeah. Everything that you do to get the product into the bottle, the more testing you do, you're going to qualify it. The more auditing you do, the higher your price for higher quality is going to add to the price. So here's what, here's how I explain it. When someone says, okay, I want to take Echinacea, mm. Echinacea angustifolia. But how, when I go in the store, there's, you know, seven brands on the shelf. Yeah. They say, well, how do I determine which one to choose? And I said, well, the first thing you do is you spin the bottle around and you see if it's standardized. You don't need to know if it's standardized to chicoric acid, captoric acid, echinacocides, because all, you know, St. John's Wort would be high person. Doesn't matter what the botanical is or what the standard is. But if the company goes to the uh, extra effort to put standardized to this constituent at a certain level, then and let's say four of those bottles are standardized and three of them aren't. So I would scoot the three that are not away because they didn't do extra testing. They didn't buy high enough quality material to make sure it was standardized. And so you're Makes not going to take the And so let's see, you're, now you've narrowed it down to four that say, okay, it's standardized. So in some instances, you could say, well, I want a one that's standardized to a higher number or lower number. But at the end of the day, what I tell them is to buy the most expensive one. 
and they, oh. they kind of look at, glassed over a little bit. But the bottom line is, just like you said, Adam, it's supplements companies really just don't put a high price on something because they want to keep a fair price and a lower price to sell more. Sure. But the hair price, the higher price goes from buying good quality material to start off with in the field, yep. testing it properly, checking the dosage and proper packaging and uh, following on the dose. So generally speaking, the higher priced item is the one. And, you know, I, I tell them to think about it. You know, if you want to cut costs, uh, you know, go to Walmart or somewhere to cut costs, buy belts or buy your underwear or buy socks. <laughs> but, but if Not you're what you're putting in your well, body, right? Actually, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of a sock nut, so I, I cannot okay. put cheap socks in my body, but that's just Okay, me. sorry. But, but if you're going to put something in your body for your health, yeah. why not pay and spend the extra to buy something worth it that's going to yeah. actually work? Yeah, now, the investment. You're, yeah. What you're saying is that, you know, that the, the price is really in, in herbal products is in more or less reflective of yes. the quality of the investment that went into the that supply product. chain, the control, the now, sourcing, the ingredients, yes. the testing, all of that. Right? And I mean, some of it's not probably the, it, I know not probably the, the brand of the company, they set sort of a price dynamic based upon their reputation, like carry naturally, they tend to be pretty expensive products. But then again, Terry naturally puts a lot of effort in general into the into testing. So so, so to really make this simple for our listeners, Ed, I, w- I would ask you this. We don't mind plugging other companies, especially with someone that has a background like you do. You're really behind the scenes and supply chain and sourcing, selling to different companies. Is there two or three companies out there that you would pretty much say, if you see one of their herbal products on the shelf, it's going to be something you can feel comfortable about purchasing? Sure. Wow. And I'll base that on... Uh, when I get an order from a customer or requirement, you know, instead of getting a one page specification sheet, it may be three or four pages. It may be a lot more in depth. In other words, I know that to sell that customer what they require. So gotcha. sure, a couple of companies that uh, I know require high quality because I've sold them higher quality material is uh, now food, now health group, or now food okay. group. No and they went through a real renovation several years ago. And, yeah. and these days people think they're they're pretty we actually pretty stout. we actually buy some materials from now we do. yeah we and do. because yeah. and i was actually we did a quality audit of their systems yeah and they they're top notch they, they stepped up their game big fact, time yeah there was a the, we, there was a batch we we buy um some pre-made fish gels from them for a product we make for one of our customers and they actually they they called us up to say look they they just finished the batch of these of that product but it was 0.1% below the specification on like um, on DEA or uh, DHA, DHA, right? And uh, and they were like, well, you know, it's a it's where our our specification is within 10%, and it's a little bit below that. Is that acceptable to you? And I was impressed that they, yeah. um, you know, they were they were willing to go Even to table. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. So okay, now foods. What's another one, Ed? Uh, just going back to nows, I. Uh, I was a good friend with the quality manager there for, and they actually invited me up a few years ago to uh, talk to their purchasing department because they had oh, a really? lot of change in the purchasing department. So I tried to give them some heads up on what to look for, you know, because if you're just buying botanicals and you're used to buying bottle caps or, you know, shoelaces, 
it's a whole different world. So I spent two days up there just giving them a heads up on ideas of what to buy from other people since I can't sell them everything. So, yeah, I agree. So did they want to hire you after you gave the talk up there, Ed? No doubt. Well, <laughs> yeah, but I was kind of yeah, – yeah, Minnesota, you know, I kind of thought about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Minnesota, Alaska. Which one do I want yeah. to look at? Uh, <laughs> so <well>. anyway <laughs> – so another company that I uh, feel and know that they require good raw materials and I respect and use their products is uh, Nature's Way. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Really and, and, I, and I believe they were acquired like 30 years ago by Twin Lab, if I remember right. I'm not sure, but I think they are one of their divisions. Um, could be wrong about that, but I think so. I think New Chapter Always also does a very decent job of, of, uh, of yes. testing. Gaia, Herbals, yeah. they do a good yes. job. You know, there's some big yes. brand names out there that I think are doing a real excellent job in, in their testing. Uh, when I, when we, you know, I'll bring up some old dirt that we talked about last year, Ed. Or I was astonished at the last uh, University of Mississippi meeting about how much, how sophisticated the falsification of echinacea is, the golden yeah. steel. Yeah. So that, you know, the, the, the numbers that we had talked about last year were there's, um, if you look at the supply and the demand of simple math, isn't it? At the, there's only um, uh, 25% of, of the current sales of echinacea or actually meet the actual production capacity in the marketplace. So that means that more than 75% of the echinacea products out there are at some level being falsified or, or uh, are not representing the truth. Yeah. I, and there's some pretty sophisticated, numbers. Yeah, it was. It I was tell you like, one thing. One thing that's I've gone to farms and seen people growing Echinacea angustifolia right beside Echinacea purpurea. Uh -huh. and they're going to have a problem with ID because they will cross, and they don't know that you got to. Yeah, they don't know that. And then when you get it into ID, you're going to have a problem with your ID there. So that may be some of the problems. Ah. Uh. So that could be. I, I'm curious, Ed, with everything that's come down in the last couple of years related to COVID, and mm -hmm. I know, again, our previous conversations with you talking about this supply-demand issue, has the, and you're a supply chain expert, so to speak. Well, he's you know, actually, you he's, got a he's big there. background. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So has there been a struggle being able to keep herbs in the supply chain or, since through the COVID thing, or have you all escaped that? There has <laughs> been trouble. Okay. Oh, yes. And I'll okay. tell you, the, draw you a picture window. When, whenever COVID first hit and people started losing their jobs, you mm. know, and staying at home, or they started losing jobs. Myself and several others, as a matter of fact, that are on the Botanical Raw Materials Committee of the American Herbal Products Association, had a conversation. We were concerned that people were, the wildcat items, that the people were saying, well, I got all this spare time. I need money. We were afraid they were going to go out and over-harvest a lot of the wild products. Oh, wow. Uh, Just the opposite happened. Whenever the uh, stimulus checks started coming out, they started oh, staying home. You guys didn't yeah. have any product of wildcat. No, oh, my not. goodness. And it was the last two years, everything for immune systems, the golden seal, the echinaceas, anything around pulmonary health, the pleurisy root and everything, we get, they were wildcrafted items. It was hard to get them produced. So the shortage wow. and everybody was just clamoring, trying yes. to get material. Elderberry. Elderberry yes. is one that had a big issue because 
a lot of it comes from the you know Eastern Europe areas, and I know there was some adulteration there because there are a lot of other berries that you can mix in. So anytime you've got a shortage and a high yep. demand, that's it when you look that for door. That's, that's that's sambuca and that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. With the um, with elderberry. Yeah, and, exactly. and you know we've got people right now, obviously that are we just experienced a a week of some really sub-zero temperatures here in Oklahoma and some ice storms and things. Yeah. What are And I know echinacea is kind of one of those that always hits the wintertime. What are three herbs that really would be wintertime? I know you mentioned elderberry as well. Are there some favorites of yours for people that they're going through winter and all of a sudden a rhinovirus, some type of cold yeah. or some type of thing like that comes along? What are your core ones that you say, this is, this is your wheelhouse, this is where you go? Yeah, well, like you said, beside the normally combined echinacea and golden seal, you see that one a lot. Yeah. Uh, some of the, the teas for me, like my throat gets dry with the heat inside and everything and right. sniffles and things. Any of the teas, with, especially with Slippery Gam, I mean, mentioned companies, a tea company that I really admire and know they buy quality is Traditional Medicinals. Oh, love that yeah. company. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because I didn't know yeah. enough about them, but I buy their stuff a lot. Interesting. And then pleurisy, pleurisy root is a good one because it's, yeah. And then pleurisy root is one that I see in the winter because it's your, it support lung health. Mm. Uh, Bonestead is one that also supports. I've never heard of that. What's it called? Does that have another name? Tell me that one again. Uh, Bonestead. Yeah, it's got another name. Eupatorium perfoliatum. Oh, that one, of course. I I think of that one in my sleep all the time. <laughs> You're joking. No, of course I am. Yeah. It's commonly called bone set. Names. Okay, Actually, bone, bone set. set was used back in the 1918, really? the 1918. Uh, the Spanish flu. Yeah, the the Spanish flu epidemic. Yep, sure was. And did, it have, did, did they report some sort of benefit with bone set? What they said was it helped your body to... Uh, break the break into a sweat and then you help your body naturally fight it off faster. It didn't oh, prevent it, it didn't stop it. It just supported your body in eliminating fever and flu type symptoms faster. So so I have to ask because names, especially in this world of botanicals, yeah. you know, like stonebreaker, you know, things like that. Yeah. Is bone, is bone set literally something that they found for individuals that have broken bones in time of war or things like that? They give them to help them actually recover their bone health quicker? They have used that as poultices, but I've, I've never seen any actual research that okay. proved it worked. Okay. Yeah, they did use it as a poultice. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, we're going to go to a break, quick break here. And uh, when we come back, we're going to uh, bring up one uh, an herbal that we've been talking about off, offline here. So, Josh, um, I'm Adam Payne. Yeah, I'm Josh Bellion. You're listening to Ultra Life Today. And we'll be right back after this break with Ed Fletcher. Looking for some real answers for your health? Can't sleep. Dragging out of bed? Stiff and in pain. Can't remember your spouse's name? Join Adam and Josh Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. for Ultra Life Today. You'll get a chance to listen to cutting-edge health experts and pick their brains in all kinds of health topics. We'll be taking your calls and giving away life-changing Ultra Botanica products. Join, Join us, us on, on Ultra, Ultra Life, Life Today, Today, Saturdays, Saturdays at, at 9. 9. Welcome back to Ultra Life Today. We've been enjoying a fascinating conversation with one of our favorite people, Mr. Ed Fletcher. Um, American Herbal Products Association, 
president of Native Botanicals, uh, was just sharing with us. Uh, by the way, I'm Josh Bellew. I'm Adam Payne. And Ed was just sharing with us that uh, there's a couple of brands out there. There's Nature's Way and there's Now that he feels good about. Yep. If people are just running in and they're not label readers like I am, they can go ahead and look at those and feel good about their sourcing, their ingredients, their testing. And so there was two things. He said, look for the, whether the botanicals have been standardized, yep. right? Yep. And then also, um, this is one of the categories, especially with herbal products, that price, higher price point actually does make a difference. Okay, so Ed, we were talking off air about wintertime herbs and and your own experience with one that I would say really qualifies for wintertime. I may even tag in after you share your experience, but I'm so fascinated because you started working in 1974, I believe with your great-grandfather. You yes. learned, started learning the binomial names of herbs and yes. fancy words like organoleptic became something to a, a much younger guy. And uh, here you are now. Organoleptic. But you had a you had you an had ex- you had an word. experience with something called pleurisy root. What is it? And what was your experience with it? Right. So yes, thank you, gentlemen. Glad to be back with you. So yes, I was. Uh, you're right. I did start with my, my great-grandfather, and I think I was staying with my grandparents. We had the cousins over playing. You know, my other cousins, we were running around playing, and I noticed when I was short of breath, my side started hurting because pleurisy is an infection of the lining of your lungs, and when you breathe, mm. you it may hurts. have felt the same. They said Super it's like painful. sandpaper. It's yep. sandpaper wow. rubbing. It just hurts. So all I knew was I couldn't keep up with my cousins running and playing out there, and I went in and she told my grandma, and she said, go out there and dig that butterfly weed, which that's the ornamental common name of it, butterfly weed, because it is a nice. beautiful, it's a milkweed. It's a beautiful orange flower. It attracts butterflies. Not interesting. The medicinal name is, anyway, I went and dug some of the roots. I brought it into her. So here I'm about, I guess I'm an eight or nine-year-old young boy, and I gave it to her. And, I, you know, I, I couldn't see on top of the stove, but I sat there and watched it. She put it in a pot. <laughs> put something in it, stirred it. You know, she, she played around with it for a while. And then that evening at bedtime, she said, come in here. And she made a poultice out of it and applied it directly around my abdomen where I was hurting everything. All I know is the next morning I woke up, I could go out and play and keep up with my cousin. So I said, oh, hey, wow. you know, no, no inflammation I, in the lung. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, I was just connected digging a root and then I felt better. So that was my first. Those, are, those kinds of impressions thing. are really important yeah. as we're growing up as kids. And you know I what, mean, you yeah. know what gets me about those, Adam, because you know, I love topical things, things yeah. that can travel through I, the skin. So many yeah. times things like an herbal poultice will actually work quicker applied to the organ of the skin than they will taking them internally. It's, it's incredible. Well, you know, there's so many factors that yeah. dependent upon that. I mean, transdermal absorption is a, is a, amazing uh, uh, opportunity largest organ in the body you know in in russia and central europe they do a lot of mustard plasters so Mm -hmm. they counter Mm -hmm. counter irritants and they use cupping which comes out of chinese traditional medicine where uh you know i i used to um i I remember seeing uh, my first wife was a russian gal and i remember seeing her her uh stepdad he had these big, huge welts on his back. And I was like, oh my gosh, what disease? What's going on with that? Cupping and those things will yeah, last no, These a are just too. from mustard plasters, oh, mustard right? Plasters. I mean, and, and, uh, and it, it just, it, it seemed to me, that whole world seemed to me like insanity. The whole idea that you would put something 
physically on your body to affect an organ that <laughs> you, was underneath you you getting ready to get baptized into the drug world right you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? yeah there i am you know about to uh go on my journey it's just um it's incredible i mean but this is the folk medicine it works so you actually experienced the benefits of this early on as a kid i sure and, did and so i'm assuming that would translate well into things that happen to people you know we turn on the heat in the winter time things get dry things feel that kind of raspy wheezy kind of thing going on Lots mm -hmm. of people that have allergies probably have, it hits them as well because yeah. they turn on the heat and what happens, you know, right. mold and other things are coming out of their well, heating don't guts. say that. Oh, it is true. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, Ouch. and so, uh, so I know people are thinking, well, I just don't have any time at all to be able to put a poultice together and do something for my lungs, but you can take yes. this internally, right? Yes. Oh yeah. It's in teas. Uh, they have it in just supplement capsules too, but I like to take it as a tea myself. Yep. If I can't do it abdermal. These are my favorite. So where do yeah. people where can people source these herbs directly? And is there um is there a preferred way? I mean, we don't have the benefit of your grandmother pointing us to the backyard <laughs> to go and dig up some of this stuff. Butterfly yeah. plant. <laughs> yeah. You mean not in a finished product, but in a raw form that they can? Well, I mean, either way, I mean, still as a finished product. I mean, I, I would, I'm imagining that there are some health food stores that would have yeah. pleurisy root or something to the similar. What, what are the other generic names of it that people can find? Well, the pleurisy root is going to be the main medicinal common name, the most recognized. Right. And uh -huh. I was thinking, mention of companies a while ago. This is a good time to bring up Frontier, Frontier Herbs. Oh, okay. interesting. They still sell. In your local, in your our local store, most of the stores they still sell oh. a lot of their herbs in the whole form, so you can buy no, an ounce of a gram, and then you can make you can make pulses directly out of that. Yeah, very nice. Well, this is you know I can imagine somebody really getting into this and essentially becoming a a, a naturist, a natural or naturopath. Essentially, I mean, this is sure. what we're talking about is naturopathy, isn't it? I mean, Herbalism. really going down into the herbs and creating um remedies based upon the effects of these different botanical products mm -hmm. i you know i've got some books adam that are written by master herbalists and yeah. i don't know there's something about those books that just i i think i romanticize about that life that's why when ed goes out into the wild and he's taking us there i'm just like i so want to be there i want to have yeah. that either great-grandmother, grandfather, or yeah. that Native American ancestor of mine that's right. pointing things out to well, me. Well, they're the know, medicine men, and, right? And, you know, and, you know, put them but, in the pouch, gather them up, we'll show right, you when right. to pick them, what time to oh. pick them, all of that. Yeah, yeah there's something yeah. really romantic about that yeah. notion of get, of connecting to the earth, connecting yes. to the plants, and, and understanding how God and Mother Nature, if you want to call it mm -hmm. that, has provided all of these um, uh, these. You know, Ed, Medications speaking of the, that. In the wild. Ed, have yes. you been all over the world picking herbs with native people, native populations, indigenous yeah. populations? Golly, oh, my gosh. That's so cool. <laughs> so, 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 tell me, so tell me one of your favorite places or favorite couple of places or trips you've had with indigenous people where you were going to seek out a particular thing for maybe even a particular reason or just learning from them. Yeah. So one of the one of the most interesting trips and stories was a company, Epicac. Do you know the, the plant Epicac? That's yeah, that's the that's the that's the plant that causes it for vomiting, right? Yes. Inducing vomiting for people that poison. Yeah, interesting. Yes, exactly. 
So is so that a plant? Epicac. That's the plant name, Epicac, or is that the ingredient? Epicac. I have an old yeah. bottle of that on my desk. Me too. Uh-huh. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Oh so, wow! Keep one at the refrigerator. So in the it's, house. it's native. Oh. It's it's native to Central America. Oh wow! Years ago, when the companies were making it, it was hard to get out of there, so they took it to India and tried to cultivate it. Well, they grew it. They figured out how to cultivate it and grew fine, but it did when they harvested it and put it into a product, it didn't have that effect. Oh, wow. Yeah, that up. makes sense. So these regions of the world have unique. Trace minerals and things in the soil, right? So what? So I mean, somebody must have done the research to figure out why it wasn't being effective in other countries. No. Yep, it did. Then they (laughs) called me back and they said, "Hey, we want to get it from the native region. Can you help us?" And I said, "Yeah." So they said, "Well, we think it comes out of Costa Rica." Well, I did some research and said, "No, it actually it doesn't. It grows more native in Nicaragua." Oh, but then wow. they they sneak it across the border and ship it out of Costa Rica because it's more Americanized. So anyway, huh. I took about a, I think it was a 10-day trip. Yeah. Yeah. I flew into Managua, got on a little puddle jumper plane. We flew across the largest lake in Central America there, Lake uh, Nicaragua, big lake. Landed. Mm. We jumped in a little, uh, a two not a two-seater, but a two-aisle, one-aisle boat with seats on each side. Rode down the Rio Sanguan River for about two and a half hours. <laughs> That's just wild. We, we got on a donkey and rode for about, a about an hour. And then we got off and said, we have to walk from here. So I'm following this guide. You, you guys will like this story. I'm following this guide, and he's doing this through the jungle. And, it, you know, it rained, it's a rainforest. It rained. It stopped raining. And I'm looking down, trying to watch every step. And finally, we came to an opening. He said, we rest here. And we sat down, and I said, um, uh, why are you looking up all the time? I'm having to look down so I won't Snakes. fall. He said, anacondas. <laughs> yes. Really? <laughs> yeah. He said, anacondas. Oh. I said, okay, good. I'll follow you. So anyway, we hiked, <laughs> <laughs> so we hiked about another, wow. I don't know, about a, we hiked about another hour and then we had to go to the, the family that owned the land where it grows. We had to go to, we went to their village and met them and, you know, partake in the, the rituals there, just sitting down and getting to know them. And then we actually, they wanted us to sign a book that showed where we were and where we were from. But then they showed me where they're growing it in the woods. And here's how I helped them based on my horticultural background. The way they propagated it, they were, they were asexually propagated. They were cutting the top of the plant off and sticking it in the ground. Mm. Well, they said they were only getting about 30% survival. And in oh, any type of so I showed them the technique, two, two things. It's fairly simple. Whenever you do something like that, when you cut it off, they had to skin the outer bark, mm. put it in the ground. And then also they were leaving the leaves on top, the full size of the leaf. So, you know, little woods, the full leaf is trying to support no root growth. So right. all I did, told them to cut back half of the leaf. You need to leave some for photosynthesis. So they cut half the leaf off and, and stripped the outer bark so it would root easier. And they said by that, they had 90% survival and it grew. They could harvest in two years instead of four years. So what a cool contribution you made in that incredibly unusual and, yeah. and kind of ancient path that you went on there. Uh, you've been listening to Ed Fletcher and our time goes way too quickly when he is yeah. here. Uh, this is Ultra Life Today and uh, you can find us on YouTube. You can find us at ultratoday.com. 
and uh, and look up. But we need to have Ed back again very soon. You Adam. guys have just blown my mind with all of this. It's just so phenomenal. Yeah. Ed, we, we so enjoy having you on our show. Thanks for joining Thank us today. Yeah, yeah Thanks, come yeah. back enjoy anytime. It. And you've been listening to Ultra Life today. And uh, join the live portion of our broadcast. Yeah, stay, stay tuned.